into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Damned. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for the stupid children. Um, hello, I'm Jake Flores, and Anders Lee is with me this week. Anders Lee here. Ah, all the way from D.C. And a uh, special guest, long time coming, Ellie Valley. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I, um, I'm glad we finally got you. I, uh, at risk of going too dark too quick, so something that's kind of funny that happened is that um, you know, the last time we were going to book you, I don't know if you remember, this was almost like a year ago, okay. uh, that's when Ra- Ra- our pal Ragav died that week, and I remember having to send you an email being like, shit's fucked up around here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, well, uh, we'll get you back some other time, and uh, I'm glad we finally got you, but I feel like um, it's like almost kind of um, state of the fucked up world that, you know... You are like an evergreen guest on any podcast just because this this thing that you kind of are talking about, this anti-Semitic shit that's happening, is just happening all the fucking time. Right. Gloom and doom guest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's opportune it, for a really bad reason that, um, you know, yeah, we, at any given time, anyone can probably talk to you about the the things that your yeah. cartoons are about. Um, I think we're talking about comedy today. Uh, <laughs> we'll do a little bit of both. <laughs> um, yeah, what's your? T- how do you feel about the Puerto Rican rattlesnake? Have you had any run-ins with him? It was uh, Jay Gomez and the Legion of Skanks. No, I don't even know what this is about. We'll get back around <laughs> to that later. Uh, I did actually have one very important question. I, I don't want to ask you up top as an illustrator. By the way, guys, if you don't know Ellie Valley, obviously uh, you should check out his work. He's an incredible illustrator. Pause the does, podcast and Google him, and yeah, um, take in some image. Uh, really cool, really intense, like kind of throwback uh, imagery illustrations about, um, but political cartoons about, um, you know, what goes on in our, our corner of the left. Specifically, I'd say you probably focus on like the cynical wielding of anti Semitism by the media and the establishment and all that yeah, shit. And the right. Yeah. And the right, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but did want to ask you a question, which is um, so th- this, you know, this Iran war is possibly starting because Trump uh, fucking, you know, drone striked this guy, Soleimani. And then the response last week, I don't know if you saw this, there's this cleric in Iran that said, Iran can't strike back against the U.S. because all of our heroes are fictional. And then he went on to go, what are we going to do, assassinate SpongeBob SquarePants? Right. <laughs> As an illustrator, how do you respond to this threat on our beloved cartoon SpongeBob SquarePants? Yeah, that's good. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, he was like trolling. I, he was clearly a troll, and you know, he was, you know, because Trump is a, um, you know, for all of his um, racism and um, you know criminality, um, he is good at trolling. At least, you know, that's one thing he's good at, or at least he has people on his staff who are good at trolling. And so, um, but that sort of upped the game. Uh, but I, I do hope, you know, everyone recognizes if. Um, I mean, I don't want to um, get in trouble for, um, uh, you know, anything illegal, but... Um, it's already happened on this show. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, uh, this, this this was a, um, 
you know, Pompeo probably advised him, but it's, it's uh, you know, pretty uh, independent Trump um, action. And Trump has properties throughout the world. And it's insane that anyone would ever step foot in a Trump property because the man is a, in my view, I, I don't even think it's a view. He's a treasonous crook. And, um, mm. and um, I hope, um, uh, you know, adversaries in the world understand that um, Americans are not, I mean, I like to think we are not as, uh, vile as the Trump c- criminal family, criminal organization. I don't know if you saw this. A couple days ago, this piece came out in the Daily Beast called Attacking Trump Tower? Question mark. Would would Iran be that reckless? I saw that piece, and someone else mentioned that it was like fan fiction because uh, the way it was, uh, it was like so uh, speculative and almost like excited about it. I didn't really understand if there was any evidence for it. It was just like talking out of their ass, right? I, I mean, it's kind of funny, but also I think it is maybe a wildly reckless thing to publish yeah, in yeah, a yeah. major publication because like not that that's gonna happen but if it did you could be held like culpable for like because the thing is like symbolically we would all think it was pretty funny right but people work in that shit who yeah. aren't yeah, you know, yeah, him. yeah um i mean was there any evidence for it or was he just like saying you know this is what they could do i think it was just someone's weird ass opinion piece yeah um i mean i do it's think like highly Sorry. Yeah, there's people speculating about him attacking New York. There's been all these tweets from dudes who are like, bring it on. I work in yeah. Manhattan. I saw that Eat thing, but that creepy yeah. uh, Federalist writer. But um, but uh, in terms of like Trump Tower, I, I you know, I I felt that, you know, uh, de Blasio should um, eminent domain that shit for years now. And you can just make up whatever because we have a lawless president. So why not just take it and make it public housing? Right. Yeah. Oh, man, mm-hmm. that would be fucking great. Yeah. yeah. If, yeah. if we had a mayor who wasn't, you know, in bed with uh, real estate, uh, you know, Trumpian real estate tycoons, maybe he'd have some balls in the matter. Yeah. I bet de Blasio will, like, talk about doing that right when he leaves office. He'll be like, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. that have been a great idea? Yeah, exactly. I, uh, have... But now they can do it under the office of safety. It's like, you know what? We can't have <laughs> a Trump because they're all targets now. And so for the for public safety, it's now public housing. Yeah, we have to put the homeless people in the most dangerous thing you can live in. Which no, no, but it won't be... be Trump anymore. So therefore, it's not a target. Right, 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 right. Fair. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mar-a-Lago, though, hey. Either of you guys ever seen the cartoon The Venture Brothers? I don't know why this just popped into my head. Um, no. I, I saw their other stuff, not the Venture Brothers. Um, what's uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, um, that's the, the Adult Swim guys. They the, do like yeah, the, the Skeletor type guy trying to um, yeah. destroy the world. I forget what that one was. I've never um, seen the Venture Brothers though. Metalocalypse or something. I don't know. Anyways, the the there's like a fifth. Se- there's a new season of the Venture Brothers. These cartoons have been going on forever. Um, they moved their super science ta- like uh, lab to uh, this new building, and it's a tower in New York. It's very subtle. I didn't notice it until I just rewatched it the other night. But uh, it's Trump Tower, mm. and I'm like, I don't know. That show's very clever. They do like very small things, and then the entire season is the fucking Trump Tower ostensibly getting blown up and shit. Really? Like, Was yeah, it after yeah. Trump's election? Yeah, yeah. I think oh. that's why they did it. It's very clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, before we get into politics, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about um, like your style of uh, illustration in general, because mm-hmm. I like um, not a huge head, but. You know, I, I'm sure I got a lot of fans that are also into like comics and stuff like that, and like, um, you know, Art Spiegelman mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, uh, R. Crumb, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fritz the Cat was really big on me when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Um, what are like? Uh, what's what are your inspirations? Ask the hackiest question ever, and like, how'd you get into <laughs> to illustrate? Um, well, you know, I mean, I often say that um, the uh, 1950s Mad Comics, before the Comics Code was established, that pushed Mad into becoming a magazine. Arguably, yeah. Um, in like between 1952 and 54, they they were just like, you know, it was made by these uh, New Yorkers, um, 
uh, in like downtown Manhattan. It's, it's now a Dwayne Reed uh, and condos where they had their offices on Lafayette Street. And um, they were putting out these like horror, horror comics and, um, you know, science fiction comics. And then they started doing these satirical comics um, under, you know, under Mad um, with these greats like, um, you know, Harvey Kurtzman and Bill Elger, who are like my heroes yeah. uh, of, you know, illustration. And, um, you know, like Bill Elger would like throw so much, he would crowd every panel with so much um, nonsense. He called it, he actually called it chicken fat or schmaltz. Um, because, uh, or chicken fat, I think was specifically what he, what he referred to it as. Um, just like all this, like little stuff everywhere. And, um, it was just like this cacophony that reflected the immigrant experience at the time. And, um, you know, com, you know, uh, just com, the, the visual medium of, of, uh, just absolute anarchy within, within, uh, the panels themselves while taking on, you know, sometimes they're taking on bullshit, you know, um, American icons, but they were also taking on consumerism, conformity and, and McCarthyism. Um, and, uh, you know, in pretty, um, sometimes subversive, sometimes in your face, uh, manner. Cool. Yeah. And what was- what was the immigrant aspect there? I wasn't aware of that. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't want to get too ethnocentric uh, this soon on a non-Jewish podcast, but they're <laughs> basically all Jewish, and they're all like children of immigrants on the Lower East Side and in Brooklyn. And um, to me, it, it did reflect a lot of the Yiddish. I mean, I talk about this in my presentation. I don't want to like repeat myself, but um, it reflects a lot of the um, sort of uh, Yiddish um, uh, culture of like tenements and um, sort of like people living on top of each other uh, within like, you know, very small scale quarters, their, their panels sort of reflect the way of life at the time. And, um, and also, I mean, just in terms of Yiddish, they actually threw Yiddish into the comics. They made up new Yiddish words that became part of the mad lexicon. Other, other Yiddish words um, just became um, part of the American lexicon because of mad, you know? And so, mm. you know, Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, they like Potrzebi. I mean, Potrzebi. It just means like a need. I think it's Polish, but I mean, they they made it into this like 1950s um, slang. For Schlugener is an invented Yiddish term. It just means like fucking or damn it, you know, or like a just a uh, superfluous adjective. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, they threw in so a lot of their words like they just made up words, but they had like sort of a Yiddish uh, background and inflection to them. Sure. Yeah. No, it makes total sense to me because I'm like, oh, I'm a big comedy head, but I also am like from. You know Texas, where there's not like a lot of Jewish people, or at least there weren't around when I grew up. So I, I was always like, you know, how did this, how did some of this stuff get into my head? But then I, you know, through like learning about the history of comedy and uh, like, you know, stuff like what you're describing, but also like stuff like you know what they wrote into like the early Simpsons, I've been able to trace back like you know all this stuff that goes back to stuff like you're describing, and then also like early radio. Like something that's really interesting about the early Simpsons years is like you'll hear. Um, the guy guy walks into a manhole and he says something like "Down I go," and then you talk to one of the writers from back then and they tell you, "Okay, so I was really into early radio comedy, like radio <laughs> plays, and that's yeah. the type of thing you would hear on radio plays." Go, Holy shit, oh, wow. that's how that got in my head, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, um, one also, of my favorites. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say one of my shout out one of my favorite Simpsons clips when Bart visits the Mad Office and they're like, "Oh, this is just a bunch of boring <laughs> paperwork," and then you see. <laughs> Alfred E. Newman going around on a, on a unicycle and stuff. Oh, That's what I thought about immediately when you were describing the actual yeah. office. I was oh, like, oh, it's yeah. real? Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I should also say that, you know, in 1954, um, because of congressional hearings and a Catholic crusade against immorality, uh, including in the comics industry, um, the comics uh, industry uh, 
impose a self-regulating, self-neutering uh, body called the Comics Code. You know, that little seal of approval you see on comics in the upper right, or at least you used to until maybe a few years ago. Um, and so then, you know, so that was 1954, and the underground uh, comics started uh, emerging in the 1960s, and so they emerged really as a direct response to the, um, you know, self-regulating, self-censoring um, comics code authority and so people like R. Crumb and you know Art Spiegelman as well uh, you know like a whole slew Charles Burns of these people who were you know inspirational for me actually also came from the mad um, aesthetic of the 1950s cool yeah 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 I remember reading was- um, in I, um, Mouse I read like an edition of it that had a bunch of his biographical stuff in it yeah. and he talked about going by Art Speg at one point to like downplay the Jewishness of his name oh really interesting yeah which I guess that maybe plays into the history of uh, you know how you had to go underground or whatever yeah um, yeah I mean it's interesting you know um, uh, this is I don't know if you want to talk about this later but there was this disgusting uh, smear organization called Stop Anti-Semites that they, they recently named Ilhan Omar Anti-Semite of the Year. Right, and yeah. They, they, few, she, she did it. She got the trophy. Yeah, a few weeks ago, they called <laughs> they, they named me Anti-Semite of the Week, and, <laughs> and they thought it was some kind of burn to use my full name, Eliezer, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's similar. I think they were either, you know... Ellie thinking, Hussein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were either... You know, it was like Anti-Semitic on their part. Either they were, they were trying to dox me, or they think that's doxing me, as if I'm like living some kind of anonymous online life or they they were trying to imply that I'm hiding my Jewish roots as if you know I am pretending to not be Jewish in my comments Ellie like uh, you know (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that would be entirely possible for you man I know I know that's why (laughs) it was absurd you know look at Ellie Ezer wow gee you got me you know (laughs) I'm exposed yeah I think it's uh, you know also just through your work it's pretty clear what yeah. you're saying and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I did want to talk about um, yeah, just the absurd, cynical wielding of this concept of anti-Semitism that we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, just recently in taking down Corbin across the pond, but then also here, like there definitely was a. I feel like there was an uptick right after. Corbin lost where mm-hmm. they started to think oh we can really use this against Bernie for example yeah. which is um insane because he's a Jew well I mean I wouldn't even I, I don't even think saying I'm Jewish is a is a sufficient um defense against uh these uh bad faith accusations of anti-semitism you know when people say when people attack me for this and I get people in the reply saying oh he's Jewish how can you say that that's actually it's not sufficient there you you need to go at the actual um uh, bullshit the the distortions and the lies that they put forward in order to smear people and not just say he's Jewish, you know. Yeah. Um. In 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 my opinion, just just in order to you know uh to scorch the earth when when they try and uh, uh smear anyone. You know? No, that's so a really good point. So your pers- your uh, method is to sort of try to zero in on the accusation and try to examine what they're actually saying instead of you know because of course this is a serious issue like we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater like anti-semitism is a huge problem yeah i mean i mean it's a, it's a case-by-case basis but i'm just saying right. you there you can be jewish and anti-semitic and i say you know ben shapiro uh-huh. who is considered right. the you know paragon of uh of judaism because he wears a yarmulke and because he supports apartheid he's like oh he's the official jew meanwhile he went on a on a proto-nazi podcast trashing hollywood jews as uh, attempting to destroy Christendom. This is like the kind of thing that is like out of um, you know Nazi propaganda. But because he wears a yarmulke, he gets a free pass on that shit, and that needs to stop happening. So that's an example of like uh, 
you know, a Jew can be anti-Semitic. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a really good point because I think the reason that it starts, it's just like so alarming when you see, you, you hear these things lobbied against someone who isn't one of these Ben Shapiro's and is a Jew and you go, what the, how can this possibly, but you're right, the argument should start where it starts, which yeah. is that the, it's a, it's a um, you know, bad faith pretext to begin yeah, with or yeah, whatever exactly. um like um yeah another one of those people i guess i should bring up because it's he's been in my life recently is um milo yiannopoulos uh because what happened with me is this fucking uh edgelord podcast in you know down the street or whatever in our own goddamn community here uh decided to have milo yiannopoulos on as a guest really when was that um this was back in like march or may it was in spring of last year it was um that. I think it was the last time I saw you. It was at that fucking party. Um, it was like right before that because uh, I remember that because I was pissed off about it hmm. that day uh, because what happened is um, these you know comics and like there's plenty of um, there's a, there is a tradition in comedy of fucking having these edgy guests. You watch Bill Maher and he has on fucking you know let's have two extreme opposites or whatever. Platforming a guest like that is not really like entirely the problem uh in and of itself but um they did it at a club i hang out at and you know that a lot of comedians hang out at and so like i was one of a number of people who you know kind of made it known to like the club like hey fuck you like i'm gonna hang out in your fucking bar if you have you know alt light and alt right and neo-nazi types hanging out there whatever and uh the weight of the entire thing came down on my head for some reason just because i'm a a politically outspoken person and so uh then you know it, it tried to get they tried to paint it into a situation where, like, I um, threatened them because I made a joke about going to their show and throwing a milkshake at them because they had it at a bar, you know? Right, right. What if they serve milkshakes? Um, <laughs> anyway, this has caused me to look in great detail into who Milo Yiannopoulos is because, you know, I was aware of him, obviously, because he's Milo Yiannopoulos. But, um, you know, I want to kind of get uh, a little bit of a closer look at his entire thing, uh, what he's you know, what he's selling or whatever, because I did get into a lot of arguments this year with people who would try to tell me, well, he's a Jew and he's gay and he's married to a black guy. Therefore, <laughs> right. he can't be uh, any yeah, of these things. Three bases. Yeah. <laughs> Is he Jewish? I don't know his, um, uh, I, I, I heard maybe he says that he, he has some Jewish lineage, but I don't really, I didn't really follow he's it. He's Greek. He's um, Greek. And they're sometimes thought of as Jews by ignorant people. He's also really? a lot. He's a, he's Is also that the entire a, basis of it? Because I, I don't know if he I actually think, had that's, a I think so. That's what I'm okay. surmising. Um, well, he's also a liar. And uh, I think, you know, he's self-described provocateur or whatever. So he writes a lot of this off as like, oh, I said I was Jewish just to fuck with you or whatever. But unless I'm wrong, I think I... No, I've heard that too, but I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't really research enough. What was the podcast that he went on that was at the bar? It's called Legion of Skanks. Um, this is run by three idiots. Uh, Is it still around? Oh yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> one of them came to one of my shows and spit in my face the other day. Um, uh, really? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I I saw you. You had some stuff online with the comedy people yeah. that I did not. Um, I don't really know. Uh, if, if you if, if you don't have the context for it, I'm sure what okay. we're all tweeting at each other looks like complete fucking nonsense. Well, I imagine it's the way Gentiles feel when they read my tweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw this out there: like Jake and this guy are just very drawable. I'm just putting that oh, on the table. Okay. okay. This Dude, guy yeah. goes <laughs> by. This guy <laughs> goes by the Puerto Rican rattlesnake, and he spat on Jake. He, he, he's the person of the podcast. I will commission a drawing of Louis J. Gomez. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that would fucking be cruel. Uh, um, but I do know that um, Milo is a Zionist. Um, well, I mean, 
Richard Spencer's a Zionist. I mean, um, but what were you going to say? I mean, well, I've got the uh, the interview he did right here. Because Zionism the- is no defense against charges of anti-Semitism. In fact, sometimes it's actually yeah. evidence of it. No, oh, it's like like totally agree. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, no, to pick it all the way back around to what I was going to get at in this, uh, he did an, an interview in the Jewish Journal where he talks about his quote unquote Jewish identity, Trump, and Zionism in Berlin. That's what it is. So he does claiming to be jewish but i when is that from um uh, july 2019 so about six months ago wow i'm surprised they would interview they would interview this guy yeah i mean well see that's the thing he's in the jewish journal he was at the creek in the cave i think he's you know maybe maybe there's like a only a handful of places he can even work anymore um and so he's just working his way around to people that maybe haven't heard of him or something mm. um jewish or, journal in la this is JewishJournal.com. Um, yeah, I assume it's that. Yeah, I don't. I I couldn't. Okay, you well, probably one, know better than me. One place he could possibly get away with working, or someone like him could, is the White House, because there are a lot of people who are pro-Israel, um, who are sur- sur- surrounding themselves with uh, the Trump and his uh, and his friends, who are like Christian Zionists. Who like big defenders of the state of the state of Israel, but are also like sort of anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of the the um, influence of Christian Zionism, quote unquote, on Trump's policy with with Israel? Yeah. Uh, is that okay? Yeah. Please. Uh, okay. Go ahead. I, I couldn't tell if you were trying to get into a no, 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 no. Uh, further mile thing. Um, well, uh, you know, um, it's interesting because you know, like the the anti-Semitic um, claim that you know Jews. Uh, you know, that Jews are controlling foreign policy or that Trump is doing things for Jews um, is actually belied by the fact that the, the probably the most powerful um, uh, Zionist organization in America is Christians United for Israel, just in terms of sheer numbers right. and and the amount of money that they raise. Um, and and, you know, like Trump's not doing shit for uh, for the for the Jewish vote, for sure. Um, but the evangelical, you know, evangelicals and white supremacists are his base, evangelical Christians, you know, or, you know, or. And if not evangelical, then Christian Zionists. But evangelicals are, you know, one of the um, uh, one of the groups that who, whose support for Trump has been really, um, you know, rock solid. I mean, maybe yeah. it's had a couple chips lately with that uh, Christianity Today uh, op-ed or, or the editor's piece, right? Um, but generally speaking, um, they made their pact with the devil, and you know, if there was a hell, <laughs> they'd be you know burning everlastingly. Yeah, it's weird. No matter how, how many times I point out to them that they're hypocrites for that, they don't change their minds. <laughs> What's going on? Um, but uh, so, I mean, just like you know, in general, um, you know, uh, evangelical Christians uh, support Israel for theological reasons. I, you know, I mean, we do we make a lot of the um, the the theological underpinnings of you know, once Jesus comes back, then you know, Jews and other so-called infidels will have a choice of conversion or death um but you know even aside from that i mean because you know it's all fantasy realm anyway everyone can have their fantasies um but what they're supporting today you know aside from that is like they they, they're so filled also with uh you know extreme uh racism um against palestinians and against arabs you know more broadly that they um that they they advocate for you know unadulterated apartheid throughout there and um, it's it's a it's a bad um, influence on the region, obviously. But Israel, especially Israel's current autocratic leaders, are happy to take uh, any kind of uh, assistance they can get, whether it's from them or from fascists in Hungary, or you know, or from Trump. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm curious though about the the term Zionism because this is a point I heard uh, Norman Finkelstein making a few months ago, which is that it's kind of uh, it, it kind of is a distraction. Just the word Zionism because we get hung up on what that means, what the connotations are. It's a very nebulous term that means a lot of things. Do you think it's still useful to identify oneself as a a zionist or an anti-zionist do you think we should just try to focus on israel and and netanyahu's policies in particular maybe um you know i haven't really um thought about it that way i do think you know there, there are different forms of zionism and you know if you if you identify or if you define zionism as uh the struggle to create a jewish state in that part of the world um, then that has been created, and therefore there's no reason to call yourself a Zionist now. But of course, Zionism within the Jewish uh, identity sphere um, has many more connotations, including um, that you know uh, Jewish culture and um, uh, human aspiration can only be fulfilled in Israel. And that you know I get into this in Diaspora Boy a lot, um, and in all my work really, um, Jews who. Uh, uh, disagree with that premise and who decide to, you know, fulfill themselves in diaspora are self-hating and are destined to uh, to failure and to uh, and they're actually a threat. I mean, what we've seen since the uh, the origins of Zionism is an attack, you know, an absorption of anti-Semitic attitudes from the outside world and also an attack on uh, diaspora Jews that we've seen culminating now in the most vicious kinds of rhetoric coming out of uh, Israeli politicians and Israeli uh, intellectuals, so to speak, uh, against diaspora Jews. You know, like after Pittsburgh, after the after the horror, the most horrific massacre, anti-Semitic massacre in American history, um, Israel sends over minister after minister to uh, to thank Trump and to deny the existence or, or the rise of anti-Semitism. I mean, their, their diaspora minister literally said that the ADL of all, of all places, that their figures on the rise of anti-Semitism are not to be trusted. I mean, it's, it's like pernicious. I mean, uh, they, they're not on our side. That's, I mean, the myth is that Zionism will save the Jews of the world. We're seeing the opposite coming true. Yeah. Mm. Wait, whose figures are not to be trusted? Oh, the ADL, Anti-Defamation League. Right, right, right. Sorry, I got to <laughs> for this podcast. No, no, sorry. It's not was... a Jewish uh, podcast. No, no, I do know ADL, okay. although my listeners are very stupid, so it doesn't hurt if we explain, over-explain <laughs> well, to see, them. I, I remember the first it's time me, I them. heard... The first time I heard Anti-Defamation League, I was just like, oh, that sounds great. Defamation, no good. Right. Let's, yeah. uh, let's stamp that out, but they, the uh, history about behind them is a little more nefarious, right? Or a lot of their, yeah. their causes are not so good. Yeah, yeah. They're in like an ex- extremely bad example, but even like I mean, this is maybe a bad example, but there's like the ACLU is somebody you're like, oh, I'm totally for that, and then suddenly they're defending Nazis, and you go, what? yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that, that's a different case than ADL. With ADL, yeah. I mean, they were um, they were bad during apartheid South Africa. They were right. Bad with um, you know uh, uh, police um, training in Israel stuff like the, that 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 uh, program they have. They're bad in terms of. Um, equating anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism right. and um, both sizing the white supremacist horror show that we're living in. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that is uh, I see a lot in your work. I'm looking at some of your stuff right now, and oh, yeah. it's, there's always like these pictures of like Megan McCain just saying like, you know, that refugee girl wants to exterminate us Jews, uh, I guess in reference <laughs> to like Ilan Omar and yeah. stuff like that. And this thing that, again, that I think Milo is probably doing where, you know, like... 
he's outright just claiming to be Jewish where, you know, you can't really tell what the fuck's going on with him. His background is kind of murky. I did look into it today. And like, even, um, even the thing where you know, his supporters all say he, he's dating a black man or he's married to a black man or whatever. I did meet a bartender one time. This is entirely anecdotal. So, you know, take, who knows whether this is true or not, but I met a bartender one time who said that he, uh, he was at a bar with, and a bunch of Proud Boys walked in and they, he sort of ended up at their table and they thought he was one of them and they were talking pretty openly about how the, uh, that's like a fake person. Like, it's not a real thing. Really? Oh, interesting. But this is also a story heard in a bar, so who knows? Right. <laughs> anyway. I mean, think there would be pictures of, because he's a celebrity uh, within, you know, those you know definitions whatever yeah well so you I think there'd be some photos of that out there well he uses the existence of this person to you know try to bat away these arguments well i can't possibly right. be you know homophobic right. and canadian all girlfriend stuff, racist and all stuff. but the details of it online are still very murky so that leads me to believe i i think what's going on with milo is that he's in the alt light category and that he's a bit of like he's doing somewhat of a really fucked up version of performance art some of the time and just sort of like uh you know, using this stuff to just keep a like a pro wrestling style, like um, you know, uh, what is it called, like a heel thing alive. Yeah, I just want to say, um, also, I think it's. Oh, I'm sorry. I also, I think he's a dick. I have yeah, to excuse I mean, anything. yeah, uh, I think he might be all a little bit more alt light today. But back, you know, when he was at uh, Breitbart, you know, he was the bridge to the actual alt right, and right. and Steve Bannon was you know conferring with him about how to um, how to adopt how how to um, adopt the the ideas of you know essentially nazism you know to a broader uh readership and audience um and and he he's um he's he's vile i mean oh he's horrible you know he does like really terrible doxing and uh harassment campaigns against against people and it's it's uh it's ugly which is why they should serve milkshakes at the (laughs) creek in the cave baby uh (laughs) yeah no for sure he um you know ghost wrote for people that wrote for like fucking daily stormer and shit like that um so you know yeah i mean if you want to platform him you should put up a fucking chicken wire fence dude (laughs) because right or it's yeah if you're i mean i'm a little bit murky on the idea that you could platform somebody and just like demolish them and like actually show how ridiculous their ideas are but that wasn't going to happen here that didn't happen on bill maher that doesn't happen 90 percent of the time these people are put on air um like yeah i think if they had put them on i think this is ultimately what happened when they when they platform milo it usually just ends up you look you look at him as this sort of like oh look at this novelty person with these sort of like eccentric quirky views about the world uh you don't actually get a chance to or or they don't really take the chance to challenge him on his his bullshit Mm -hmm. one thing i noticed about this whole ordeal with legion of skanks and shit is that you know what they are is a bunch of dumb guys that are comedians that um i would argue have an ideology but don't think ideologically that's you can't not have one but they fall into where their like little privileged position lands them which Mm -hmm. is they're very individualistic. They're very like, you should be able to do whatever you want. But mostly when that applies to me as a guy and all this stuff, right? Um, but I think that they came from the point of view of, we're going to platform this because this is an offensive thing to do. And it's the joke is how offensive it is because he's so horrible. But a year into to arguing with their fans about this sort of stuff, I would have anyone fucking look and notice how the message shifted from this is funny because he's so horrible to he's actually pretty cool because in the like the 
comments or the fucking reply guys for their podcast that I've been arguing with and have been fucking with me online all this last, you know, year or whatever, an alarming number of them are pretty okay with the person Milo Yiannopoulos and are not even defending this as like a joke. They're like, well, how, you know, how can you actually call him a Nazi, et cetera? So, you know, fucking slippery slope, those media shit, right? Right. Um, we should probably talk a little bit about this rally on Sunday. Um, and then of course a couple of media things that happened after that, that fall in line with what we're talking about. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the event? Um, there was a rally, um, organized by, um, major Jewish organizations, um, in New York and I guess like national organizations as well, following, um, recent spate of, uh, anti-Semitic, uh, attacks and killings, um, you know, both, um, you know, in all, maybe on a practically daily basis in Brooklyn and also the Jersey city massacre and what happened in Muncie, uh, uh, immediately prior to, um, the, um, the rally, I guess it was a few days prior, uh, in which a, a man wielding a machete, um, went into a, either a synagogue or a rabbi's house, uh, on the last day of Hanukkah. Um, and I think one person is still in a coma from that. Um, and so the rally, you know, um, was a, a solidarity and an action rally, um, you know. So on paper, it, you know, it's there's nothing to. It's it's a good thing. Um, the problem was that they had some speakers there who are overt racists and who have like made careers on being racist, you know, and um, and. Uh, the Legion of Skanks were speaking at the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a bad choice. <laughs> the solidarity. Yeah, um, and um, you know, people who are basically. Um, three years are we three years into the Trump administration yep. um, into this white supremacist horror um, really uh, craving an opportunity to pretend that this uh, this uh, virus and horror that we are living in is actually a both sides issue and so uh, because uh, the assailants uh, in Muncie and in Jersey City uh, were black um, that you know that alone is like oh so this is anti-semitism on the left because black people are all leftists right Right, i mean that's exactly i mean almost verbatim uh even like louis farrakhan who you know in the you know of nation of islam in the you know community um what do you call it um you know like social service programs nation of islam that might intersect with some like um you know lefty orgs but louis farrakhan himself is a right-wing figure i think he supported trump i'm not sure of that but definitely his views are probably indistinguishable from michael pence's when it comes to you know theocratic thank you uh, for using his full name yeah Uh, michael Michael, pence uh, mike i don't even know i forget for some reason he goes by mike which is very casual for mike pence Um, so uh, I bet his name is like actually Mike. It's not Michael. It's legally Mike. The so Michaelach. Yeah. Some uh, <laughs> wait. I, before I forget though, um, the Muncie attack. Um, you know, came out uh, his journals and his his web searches. I mean, I think the Jersey City they were um, uh, a division of uh, Black Israelites, which is also not a lefty organization. Right. Um, but the one in Muncie. Um, he was doing Google searches for Zion temples or Zionist temples, you know, and looking up Hitler, looking up like, why did Hitler hate the Jews? Things like that. And to say that that is leftist is preposterous. Um, but here's the thing, you know, we should have had this rally um, uh, before the inauguration. You know, right. we should have had this solidarity mm-hmm. rally. Um, you know, it, it's good to have a rally now. But it's not good to have a rally uh, that features racists. Um, but, but I do think that a lot of the reason behind the rally was 
uh, unfortunately, I mean, obviously, this is you know, we need a rally when when, the, when there was this the, these attacks. We should have had the had the rally much sooner. And I think a lot of Jews on the right who have um, put in their lot and their energies and their resources and their ideological commitments with basically the hero of American Nazism, uh, were looking. Were you know, and and they've been called this by you know the majority of the American Jewish community. We don't have the 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 strength in terms of. Uh, actual uh, organizations, but we have the strengths of num- of numbers, and they were desperate to find a way to both sides, uh, you know, th- this nightmare. And so they, they they just started screaming that the left, e- even when the left was, you know, you know, I, I was in Brooklyn like um, either that night or the night after when there was a solidarity rally, you know, a smaller one with Chabad and Grand Armory Plaza and Jfredge, Jews uh, for Racial and Economic Justice here. Um, and they, they were just making stuff up. The opinion editor of the forward is saying the left doesn't care when it's when it's Orthodox people who are killed because um, the people uh, the, the victims of the, the the attacks in Brooklyn and in Muncie and uh, Jersey City have been Orthodox um, or, and or Hasidic. Um, and uh, so it's like they're, they're spreading these lies that uh, we only care when it's white white nationalists who are committing the crimes, and they're spreading lies that. Uh, that the assailants are coming out of a lefty ideology to supplement the lies that they've been giving us for the past three years and and longer, but especially, you know, under Trump, that uh, BDS is anti-Semitic and that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitic and that um, there is no safe space for Jews on college campuses today because, uh, you know, Jewish Voice for Peace believes that uh, Palestinian pregnant women shouldn't die at checkpoints while giving birth, you know? Yeah. I also heard that at the rally, there was a lot of time dedicated to Ilhan Omar and Rashida Taleb. Just talking yeah. about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they um, had to be awarded their trophies for anti-Semite. Yeah. I like how they have it of the month, of the year, like it's an employee thing, too. Like, she <laughs> yeah. won every month. Well, well, I got for that week, and so uh, I don't know if I was in the finalist competition. But um, they had they had some college student from GW in D.C. Uh, he was speaking because, um, you know— uh, his uh, Zionist views were not acceptable in Jewish Voice for Peace or something. I don't know. He's he's like he's pretending that he's he, that he's a victim uh, because his uh, you know his, his ideology is execrable, and uh, that's not anti-Semitism. You know, because I talked to people at GW. I spoke at GW in December. Yeah. They're like, this is this is a fucking farce. The the he you know of course because of uh, Barry Weiss at the New York Times, he wrote an op-ed piece for the Times about how he is uh, a victim at GW. Right. Um, and so he was one of the speakers. Uh, Barry Weiss, one of the speakers, it was, you know, like her bat mitzvah ceremony. And she was saying over and over, I am a Jew because of this, because of this, the Maccabees. Uh, and um, and then she went, you know, or before she gave her speech, she went uh, while on the march. She was interviewed uh, by Brian uh, Stelter on CNN Reliable Sources, I guess, or just CNN. I don't know. Um, and uh, pivoted to how uh, Bernie Sanders uh she implied he's an anti-Semite because Linda Sarsour, she said, has a close relationship with Louis Farrakhan, which is a lie. So Barry Weiss lied to millions of people in America to paint Bernie as an anti-Semite. It was the Corbin playbook right. uh, on live television at a rally in which we are supposed to be united uh, against the, the the anti-Semitism, you know, uh, that that's spreading throughout the country. That that's the kind of thing where, um, you know, for that, that's the kind of thing where, where it just shows like the. Um, People just have no respect for the like the identity or the concept of being 
Jewish. Like, didn't Cuomo a while back say he was like more Jewish than someone? I'm gonna look this up. Or he said that he made a joke about Jews not being able to dance. Yeah, he also said I'm a Jew or all Jews or something. I think right. Look it up. I mean, oh, yeah, so he was like I'm. I'm a Jew. I'm a woman of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, um, I'm thinking of something. Someone else. Someone said. Someone just said I'm more of a Jew than so and so is. A non-Jew said that about somebody. Yeah, um, I don't well, remember people, that happened yeah. the past couple of weeks. Uh, I don't remember who it was though. Um, it sounds very familiar though. Yeah, the news people have been calling Bernie a fake Jew for a while now. Yeah, but now they're they're upping the ante, um, which is why I don't think the 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 defense should be, oh, he's Jewish, you can't call him that. It right. should be, oh, Barry, you're actually lying on Brooklyn Bridge about uh, someone who could become the first Jewish president yeah. because you're afraid because uh, he says, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so one-sided in our approach to Israel-Palestine. Apologies to Jewish, black, queer, trans, disabled woman uh, Andrew Cuomo. I was uh, Rudy Giuliani said it. Rudy Giuliani said, uh, I'm, said, more, I'm, more, wow. said I'm, I'm more of a Jew than George Soros is. I drew a comic what? about it. I can't believe I didn't remember this. So what has happened since then? That was literally like two weeks ago. It was December and, 24th. Yeah. yeah, and now we're at war with Iran and um, you know all this other shit that's been going on. Well, you did yeah, crank out man. those comics. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's amazing how uh, you know you start to like uh, live um, – in an atomized fashion from one crisis to the next like the whole country has been if you're paying it you know if you're someone who is absorbed in, in what's happening in the news you know yeah i i am curious though if you feel like things have changed over the past 10 15 years in terms of the way we can talk about israel in the public sphere in america because you know i remember justin like 2006 i think it was jimmy carter was just canceled before that was a thing for releasing this book with like a very mild critique right. of Israel. Right. Uh, and now, of course, there's a lot of histrionics with, you know, the Barry Weisses of the world. And stuff. But in general, do you think there's more of a space for this type of criticism? It's a tough one because um, I think uh, I, I need to think about it a little bit more. But, I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I feel like there is more space for the criticism, but there's also uh, more space for these wild accusations of anti-Semitism mm. at the same time. So I think I think maybe the Overton window has, has shifted a bit in terms of being able to talk about um, you know, apartheid essentially, um, but uh, the reaction has been uh, much, uh, and maybe it's because we're talking about it more. But I mean, now they're trying to criminalize free speech uh, on college campuses, like you know. So uh, you know, that's that's pretty extreme as well. So you know, that's you know, that's like uh, taking further liberties than I remember being taken uh, just ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, I mean, I mean that might be in response to the to the growth yeah, of the movement. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. It might be. Yeah, actually, um, they're freaking out. Yeah, they don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been called a self hater since I started drawing comics, but um, the the vitriol and the hatred and the uh, dehumanization and literally uh, likening me to not. Although I've always been called a Nazi, to be honest. But I mean, like the 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 uh, <laughs> amplification of, of these uh, smears has really gone up in the past year, um, and I think it's because. Um, you know, they saw that I don't want to, you know, uh, self-aggrandize, but, you know, post Meghan McCain imbroglio, I think um, they they want they, you know, want my voice to be less amplified. And so one way to do that is to make me toxic by spreading these lies, not just the Nazi shit. The uh, you know, they're they're pretending I'm a misogynist, pretending um, that I abetted murder. I mean, there's this one person what? online. Um, well, you, go, you go on Sobel. podcasts, so you're assumed guilty of all of these things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, no. I point. mean, it could be because you know they're looking for a good smear to use. So there's there's one person, Ariel Sobel, who was 
you know, finally caught making these, uh, making a fake sock puppet account of a black Jewish woman. It was just, it was her trying to get, uh, you know, like sending threats to herself to try and implicate the left, you know? So yeah. she even going and saying, Ellie's misogynist because his fans send me uh, misogynistic things. And then like, um, uh, you know, sending a screen cap of like, she says a DM, but it's actually a text. And I didn't, I didn't even want to touch that stuff because I don't want to, you know, I definitely do not want to doubt anyone who is saying this happened, you know? But to say that, um, say that that was me or that I directed it, which is bullshit. She's like, oh, because you drew Megan McCain misogynistically, your fans are uh, using the C word at me, you know? I'm like, first of all, these, you know, if they're my fans, you know, it's like, I'm not controlling these people. I don't know who they are. And, and anytime that kind of thing would happen with my name attached to it, I completely uh, condemn it, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's just this, this, this bullshit smear. And, and after it came out, and I'm sorry if this is totally in the weeds for your, for your podcast. No, no, please. After it came it's out right. that she created this, we fake... don't have a lot of parameters in this show. Okay. <laughs> after, after it came out that she, that she made a, a fake uh, sock puppet account uh, in order to, you know, demonize the left. Um, then it's like, oh, well, maybe even the text messages that she claimed that she was getting from my so-called fans, uh, those were all made up too, you know? But yeah. you'll never know because within the Jewish right, there is zero accountability. She's now, when you mentioned Jewish Journal, uh, that's why I was wondering, yeah. she's working at the Los Angeles Jewish Journal now despite, um, uh, you know, uh, writing these, you know, these fabrications, lies, and smears. I mean, it's like, it's McCarthy shit, and she now she has a job. And the forward of all places picked up her, she had another one saying that I was influential in the Dayton murders because the uh, the killer retweeted me along with Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and hundreds of other people. Because he retweeted me, that means I must have been the what set him over the edge to murder. Oh, he retweeted uh, me too. Really? Yeah. So, so the forward wrote, wrote a piece saying Dayton killer retweeted LA, former uh, forward contributor Ellie Valley. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. Um, and and there has been no there's been no article in any of the um, Jewish press about what about the the campaign and it wasn't just her it was like all these like toxic figures that are like in this coterie of like spreading smears uh nothing has been written about it it's like there's there's there is no investigative uh journalistic um sort of uh fire within within the community and we need it more than ever now yeah i mean I, you're i like that you mentioned mccarthyism because it's like something that's far enough in the past and was like it, fucking crazy, but it, by comparison to this, it was at so much of a slower rate than all this misinformation and weird smears and shit that it makes me wonder if we can look at that and sort of compare and contrast and you know draw any lessons. But I guess what's what's alarming to me about all this like online drama and uh, your ability to misrepresent everything and really create these, um, you know these arguments where you can't possibly prove the other side wrong by just saying, well, their fans did this. And then they're using these vague things of misogyny or whatever, seeing it happen against Corbin, seeing it happen against the left here, even seeing the bare mechanisms of it at work within this extremely dumb fight that I have with this other podcast. It kind of makes me wonder, like, are we, is it even possible to, account for any of this stuff or are we just is this just a new landscape that we're all just going to have to to uh work within and operate on the base assumption that if you are fucking right about anything and you're threatening to anyone especially anyone in the establishment in the media in any way in all of this that do we just have to assume that like, they're just going to curl these unprovable things at all of us all the time and that's just the way it is because yeah. what i'm wondering in all this is i mean i know who you are i'm a fucking fan of your work and like to me it's absurd the idea that they would call you any of these things but do these do these 
um, smears pass off to just random people who don't know about any of this stuff. That they're just, you know, that the, the mention of either of us is just a fucking blip on their radar or whatever. Do you, do you think that's a real problem? Um, well, it depends. I mean, it depends who you're referring to as a random person, you know? I mean, a random person doesn't know... You couldn't place Israel on a map, you know, sure, probably. Yeah. Sure. So, um, but, you know, people who are somewhat well-versed in these things, yes. I mean, like, um, you know, I mean, it, for me, like, Ariel Sobel is just like, you know, uh, it's not, not a person of significance in terms of uh, a voice in the community, despite the smears that she was um, orchestrating. Um, but someone like Barry Weiss is uh, an extremely powerful figure because of the New York Times and because of the New York Times' refusal to hold uh, their uh, their columnists to account any sort any sort of accountability. <laughs> it really is like yeah. anything goes over there. Yeah, yeah. It's like babysitting hour, but the the kids can just like set the house on fire, and it's it's okay because they're these little these you know um, they're they're the golden child, you know, her and Brett. I was gonna say, speaking of Brett, we might talk about his recent column. Okay, a little okay bit. but I, I just <laughs> like I just want to quickly say um, uh, when when Barry sm- spreads these smears, when she amplifies the lie that I am um, mimicking Nazis in my art. Um, uh, that has that has effects that 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 permeates um, the sort of like uh, more low information absorbers in in you know the country in the world, and so when when they hear my name, they they make more of a quick assumption. That's the goal. That's you know, and that's why it's unconscionable that James Bennett allows this shit to happen under his watch. You know, not just to me, but I mean the stuff that Brett Stevens does. I mean, it's it, it's it's absurd, but it's also tragic. Um, so you know, um, it it does have an effect. And so when people say, "Oh, Ellie, you're so obsessed with this," you know, it's go fuck yourself because you know it it actually. Um, it impairs my ability to um, to live, to survive. You know? Oh, believe me, I know all about it, man. Yeah, yeah, and, okay. you know, people like to say, like, fucking, uh, you know, oh, Twitter's not real or whatever. And it's like, I mean, it is in some ways and is not in other ways. But it's very much if you work on, you know, in the, like, weird, anything resembling the media, um, it's very real to those people, and because it's really real to those people, they're able to, uh, you know, to recklessly, you know, permeate these rumors that damage your reputation, yeah. and then, um, and also it's a disservice to, um, you know, uh, survivors to people to victims um, of actual uh, toxic, violent, uh, abusive people. You know, it's like it's it's taking real trauma and. Uh, exploiting it and weaponizing it against people who are totally removed from that in order to you know push your own ideological agenda yeah and i mean not to like use the you know most fucking annoying beat to death comparison ever but i just i keep thinking about this because people say oh you know it's not real like log off and whatever but like you know i just i meet people sometimes that seem like they kind of pay attention to politics and then i ask them and then they often have this weird uh thing where they're like yeah bernie sanders you know his supporters are misogynist i go where'd you get that from oh from these people who know that they can use these smears that are like impossible to disprove because sure someone within that giant fucking sample of people probably has been at some point yeah um and it's just as a you know as a mechanism just kind of used it against all of us all the time yeah it fucking sucks i do think that um the people i was referring to before they saw the um you know, sort of like the stereotype of the burning bro. And they're like, well, let's use that. And partly because 
I, you know, did illustrations for Chapo. They're like, okay, let's let's get him on that. I think it was part yeah. of their their thought process of how to get me. That being said, I do support Bernie Sanders, and I do hate women. I am very. I just want everyone to know I'm very misogynist, which is why I support him. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with that from yeah, here yeah. forward. <laughs> Fuck it. I just keep saying it. Um, let's talk Actually, a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was I gonna mean, say. Good. Go ahead. Good. Okay. I yes. actually do have a. I am curious about uh, something about Bernie Sanders because I was reading in um, Jewish Currents. There's this article about older Jewish Americans who are radical, like politically, who are also really hesitant to support Bernie Sanders. I kind of wanted to get your insight, Ellie, on, on why you think that is. Um, honestly, I have. I want to read that article. I, I think I instapapered it, but I have not actually read it yet. So I, uh, I, I don't actually know that phenomenon too well. So I would be talking out of my ass. It's, I'm interested. Okay. It's interesting. It's like how old people start fucking again in the old folks' home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I wonder if it's because they think he's unelectable or if they feel like he diverges somehow ideologically from them, but I, I, I need to read it. So. Okay. Because it's interesting that you know uh, black voters were uh, skeptical about Obama until he won. Right. Uh, was it right. Iowa? I forget. Yeah. Um, so Iowa, it, it yeah. might be somewhat similar in that in the attitude, but because they're on the left, I don't know if, if, if it's something else as well. Yeah, I mean the black the black voter comparison thing does kind of make sense because you're well, I mean, because with be that, yeah. yeah, you have to follow the main electorate, you know, or you'd be accused of splintering off and fucking the whole thing yeah. up or whatever. I guess in general, though, not that particular subset, but just the Jewish Americans in general. How do you? Uh, what is your sense of the attitude towards the, the, the potential Jewish president for the first time in Bernie Sanders uh, among Jewish Americans? Because I don't really. Um, uh, I have to be honest. You that, speak for all of them. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's I, what I was told. I, I'm I'm, I, I'm uh, self aware enough to know that I am in a in a ideological bubble, and I'm happy to be in this fucking bubble. Um, but um, and I you know, but even within my bubble, I, I have a friend who uh, doesn't think that America uh, is ready to elect a Jewish president. That there's too much um, be, beneath the surface anti-Semitism um, that will um, you know, and and it's going to be so easy to. Uh, to smear him as a Bolshevik, that kind of thing, you know, and he, he uh, gives certain um, ammunition towards that when, you know, with his socialism. And so it's, it's going to be easy for, it's not a smear. No, exactly. But I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be easy for the, these characters who, you know, um, for, you know, it's gonna be easy for anti-Semites uh, to just regurgitate uh, shit that we've seen for a hundred years. Um, and so in my view, that's, it's not going to, um, against Trump, I don't. I think Bernie can win. I think um, his uh, the the uh, the message that he has and and the authenticity that he has shown. I mean, that's that's. I think that's his his uh, core um, defining you know element of his appeal that he has been so consistent on human rights issues, including um, you know healthcare, etc. Um, that uh, I think that's going to overpower you know the the inevitable images of him as this Bolshevik vampire with uh, tentacles you know um, so so others might might disagree on that but I, I uh, can, I, can I throw out a weird take on this yeah, sure. and let me know what you think of it because I have no idea this is I'm also speaking here as a comedian like and an asshole and this is probably <laughs> a dumb a dumb thing that just occurred to me but like I think it I just so what I've been trying to figure out for a while it just popped into my head and I just just was able to articulate, which is that, like, I don't think, okay, ant, with smearing someone as an anti-Semite in Europe probably worked because... As a Jew, you mean? Uh, or either, either side uh, of the issue, even. Okay. Or um, in Europe, because uh, that there, there's, like, a closer history and, like, 
here's what I'm getting at. I'm from a part of the country where I often hear people go like, oh, Bernie's going to get smeared as an anti-Semite. And I go, you know, where I'm from, people don't even know what a Jew is. Like, how is that? How would they even... Or he's going to get smeared as a, as a Jew, rather. Right, uh, exactly. People, people going to be afraid to elect a Jew. And I go, like, when I was growing up, I, people didn't even understand, because we didn't live around a community of Jews. So, like, you're talking about a large chunk of America that doesn't even have the understanding of what that is enough to hate that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. But I do think that certain um, archetypes of um, racism and bigotry uh, might not they might not be aware of it, but but if you know if if the Republicans start saying this man wants to take your money, I mean I even I though guess, they never met a Jew, it might touch on something that right. It, yeah, yeah. And it, a lot it of times be, you don't. It, it, could, it could be um, uh, Middle Easterners and Mexicans last time around. This time it could be the big bad Jew. Or sure, something like that. Sure. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. But I mean, right? It's, it's well taken. Point though. Where are you from in Texas? I grew up in Houston. Oh. Um, and I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know if it's specific to the part of the city I was in or just Texas in general. Okay. Um, but I just, uh, you know, I, then I moved to New York and now obviously I know a million more Jews. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you, uh, have, you have Kinky Friedman, at least. We did have Kinky Friedman. Wait, yeah. He, he died? I don't remember. I don't think he died, okay. but he Definitely went away him. after a while. He ran for governor <laughs> at one point and, uh, you know, he was Kinky Friedman and mm. <laughs> I don't know. He just became a weirdo townie after a while. Mm. Um, I lived in Austin for a while, which is also, you know, extremely white middle class place. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I guess the con the concept I was coming, trying to get at, and this is definitely more from a joke writer's brain is like, I don't even know about that thing enough to be able to hate it correctly. Like how, right. <laughs> like, well, that I, hasn't stopped, you know, many people from hating. <laughs> that's such is the nature of hate. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah. makes, that makes sense. Okay. Right. Fair, fair. Um, I don't want to just fucking do a full-on Will Menneker Chapo thing, but we should address this Brett Stevens article because it's pretty crazy. Um, Brett Stevens wrote <laughs> December 30th in the New York Times. Uh, I think so, yeah. Um, a piece called... Fuck, I just lost it. Here it is. Uh, the Secrets of Jewish Genius. Ashkenazi yeah. um, brain size. Yeah, where he... <laughs> I guess was trying to make an argument like pro-Jewish, but he was, was cited it a tough bunch to of fit Ellie. Was it tough to fit that brain in Jake's doorway? I know that's you got a big <laughs> noggin there. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was so a, much knowledge. We had to go sideways. Yeah. Uh, okay. Big doorway. Yeah. I mean, Brett Stevens's piece was the kind of thing, you know, if you go to like you know like some kind of um, uh, you know. Uh, Born again Jewish yeshiva trying to get people into the, and I think Brett actually uh, grew up um, not maybe uh, Jewishly uh, knowledgeable or you know religiously observant, and then he got into it later. So it is actually possible that's exactly what he's regurgitating. It's kind of like you know these uh, missionaries within the Jewish world who are trying to get you into Judaism, and some of the stuff that they say is you know oh you know like uh, you know look at all these great achievements you know Jewish Nobel Prize winners etc. I mean the, the kind of things that he was saying was just like one step removed from that. It was on the same level in terms of scholarship certainly, and you know like he just like googling shit in term. I mean googling shit and then getting white supremacist sites that he probably um, actually, you know, agrees with regardless. Yeah. But I mean, the the um, the, the slippy, the, the slippery reasoning and and level of um, uh, what do you call it? Just like 
and I mean, aside from the writing level, just like the reasoning behind it was just like so uh, seventh grade. Oh, look at you know, like Jews are are, are so are so cool, kind of shit. That it's just it's it, it's the kind of thing. It's like aside from the race science is a fireable, or you should never even have gotten your first job, kind of offense. You know? Do yeah, they I mean, just, he's just let a him terrible post- fucking writer. Do they just let him post his stuff directly? Like, is there any editorial oversight whatsoever? He just, um, like, finds the, the well, thumbnail? Well, after this happened, James Bennett did an interview, um, I guess, with Politico, and he said, yes, we actually edit him. You know, and Ashley Feinberg oh tweeted, like, you know, what an embarrassing thing that, you know, your your editor has to actually come out and say, we actually did edit him. Uh, it's just, it's so, it's so uh, humiliating. Uh, but, of course, Brett has no shame, and I don't, I don't think he's capable of that. It doesn't seem like it. It's a very short piece that starts off with a very long editor's note, which is just, uh, proportionally looks well. The editor's note came afterwards when when everyone's like uh, IQ right. tests, you know, etc. Uh, yeah, they, well, the editor's note also lies, and it and it uh, it, it just says that you know th- this this um re- this uh, link has been removed. Research doesn't say uh, that they removed all uh, instances of saying that Ashkenazi uh, Jews are smarter than everyone else, including Sephardi Jews. Um, so it's also like it, it was racist within the Jewish community as well. They didn't uh, even touch that. It, it's like it was such a lack of accountability correction. Yeah, I mean, they might have, um, you know, removed a link to a specific thing that that thing was in a very bad book or whatever. But the point he is made, the overall point yeah. is still bad. Yeah. Um, so you can't really can't really remove that, can you? You could remove the whole thing, I suppose, but, you know, <laughs> and then, it happen. Yeah, well, no, then he did something else uh, afterwards, his next column. I don't remember. I remember uh, tweeting about it, of course, but uh, I don't remember what the actual uh, article was. I, uh, I would need to, my, my phone's charging, so I need to find it. It's fine. That's all right. I mean, I'm sure this has been fucking covered on, on podcasts that, uh, well, I mean, I guess Ch- Chapo talked about this, right? They understand the mind of Brett Stevens more than uh, any of us, so I'll leave it to them. I drew it, too. I have a drawing of him. <laughs> Man, you drew everything. Um, <laughs> I think we're about an hour here, oh. and I know we got places oh. to be, so um, let's. Uh, has anybody got any last things they want to get to before we get out of here? Uh no, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> I think we. Should, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, but uh, yeah, but before we finish up, um, I do know I have a lot of artsy friends that listen to this, and I uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about how you draw. This is okay. completely entirely, you know, apolitical or whatever. But um, like, do you use uh, pen and ink at all, or is this all tablet? Yeah, I, you know, I actually, I always get asked questions about, you know, the Jewish condition, never get asked about art, and I appreciate that. I'm know? a fan, man. Uh, not, not just art in terms of influence. I do get asked about, like, Mad, Mad Magazine and shit, but I don't get asked about the actual creation of the art. And, yeah. I, and I do love talking about it, but I have no one to talk to. I didn't go to art school, so I'm in this, like, you know, I'm self-taught, so I don't, I wish I had a community of peers that I could actually, um, you know, learn from in terms of actual, um, not just style, but tools, etc. Yeah. But basically until about six years ago, I guess. Um, I was using uh, brush and ink on Bristol, Bristol board. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to be an illustrator at, at one point in my life, so I got a little bit of a little bit of this yeah. in my head. Oh, yeah. cool! Um, and you, you, some of your listeners are artists, you said? Yeah, I think my friend Rory's probably listening, who does all my art. <laughs> okay. And uh, right. oh, we have a lot of listeners, so I'm okay, assuming. Cool. Um, so uh, you know, I love the brush and ink, but the problem was um, with my style, uh, especially I, I used white a lot, and using this, I would use like this. Uh, deleter 2 it's called this Japanese um, plaque 
uh, I don't even remember what it, what, but basically it's like it's like paint. You have to keep adding water to it uh, because it gets hard, uh-huh. and it's like that stuff takes forever to dry. And if you make another mistake, or if you want to use white as an effect, etc., um, there are so many layers, and it just it just it got maddening, you know. I mean, um, and so uh, even though I love it for other reasons, um, but when I was introduced, when I when I finally realized that you know I could maybe do this on the computer. I was introduced to a Cintiq, which is a Wacom tablet where you write on the actual, when you draw on the actual screen with a stylus. Okay. So it's not like a separate um, drawing thing. They always threw me about those Wacom tablets. Yeah, well, the Wacoms that you're drawing on, like on your, it, yeah, it's on a your separate surface lap, whatever. and then you're seeing on the screen. I don't know if I could handle that in terms of the perception stuff. But when you're drawing on the actual screen, um, that, that was pretty, it, it, the learning curve wasn't as uh, ominous uh, as I had feared. And so now it's like going from black to white is a click of a button. You know, I'm using my keyboard to change from black to white and then back again while while drawing. And so I'm able to get much more of a, um, a woodcut feel because I'm doing as much carving of white out of the black as I am drawing black onto the white. Yeah. Which is something I could just not do with the old style. And by the way, I mean, both are good. And, and, and the speed, uh, unfortunately, has not... Um, uh, gone up as much as I thought. Unfortunately, I mean, the, it still takes me a lot, long time to do everything. But, um, but I, I feel like I can um, sort of realize uh, um, vi- visual um, elements uh, more, um, more clearly in tune with the, the way I want it to be, as opposed to. Uh, maybe, maybe it might be just be that like certain things are more immediate. I mean, on the other hand, though, if you want to hear, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, one, one of the challenges is like with, you know, with these new tools, you know, you can start getting um, spoiled and, uh, you know, adjusting your workflow to that. So it's like if I have a piece of Bristol board, I need to plot out, or, you know, visually plot out where everything is, where this where the text balloons will be before I start inking or else I'm going to screw myself into a literal corner of the panel and sure, not have sure. enough room. Whereas with, when you're doing it, on a computer, you can just keep increasing the canvas space, and right. I keep doing that, or, and then like shrinking everything because um, it, it's a it's a much more sort of free way to draw. I mean, the compositions, you know, it, I, I always have the composition generally in my head in the beginning, but um, but I but I just tinker around as I'm doing it, and it sort of like evolves as I'm drawing. But the problem is, you know, the sometimes the the canvas will be like two feet by two feet at the end, you know, like 24 inches yeah. and like very high resolution and my computer just like starts going crazy. And so then like the amount of time I save not having to wait for ink to dry is made up for by my computer uh, repeatedly crashing right, 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 right. towards the end of the drawing. That's cool. It's always very interesting to me be- like uh, because your your stuff is in the style of what looks like, like an analog thing and then you found a digital tool to help yeah. you like achieve that style which yeah. is it's interesting the way that, can i yeah oh I, one of the things you know one of the things i used to like about analog i call it you know just like brush and ink is you know there would be some kind of pencils underneath that you didn't erase enough and that has sort of a texture to it which i like you know um when i'm doing it on the computer i'm doing really so many layers there's like over 100 layers of each you know for each drawing partly just because i make a new layer when i'm trying something out and then i keep it or i'll get rid of it you know so it's an easy way instead of having to undo 50 times just like a new layer, you know, when I remember to do it. Um, so often I will just like, you know, like quickly go over a layer in white and then do something new. But there are little shards that might remain w- from me not like erasing things completely, you know, yeah, going yeah. over in white. So it, at the end, you'll see my drawings have this sort of like gritty, um, 
uh, little specks and stuff, which is somewhat analogous to the uh, little pencil marks or eraser shavings or whatever yeah. from the Bristol board. And I like that. I'm very happy for that. And it's like I, those kind of imperfections I'm like very thankful for because what, fear, what what scared me most about the computer was that it would all look like vector, you know, perfect lines. Yeah, and that's what's that. so cool about that like gritty style of illustration is all the little imperfections and yeah. you know, little curly weirdo lines and yeah, stuff. yeah. Cool, I like it. So drawing has—it's always been a solitary thing for you. You've never—you don't have had like a mentor or anything like that. No, I mean, I—I um, I, my first semester in college, I—I um, I was going to be a dual degree thing and, and uh, um, taking art classes, but I, I quickly decided against that. So that was like one semester. And like in high school, I—I I went to—I took a class at Philadelphia College of Art. You know, uh, or no, actually, I did a, a, a summer program once. It was like two weeks there in the summer. So yeah, here and there, but never a rigorous, um, you know, focused um, uh, college uh, exp- or even non-college experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Huh. But honestly, I mean, for all that I um, missed by um, by going this route, I do think that um, you know some of my favorite uh, comic artists are. Um, autodidacts, you know, uh, like people who learned, you know, like English literature, philosophy or whatever, you know, liberal arts basically. And, um, and whether or not they learned art in a formal capacity, they have other um, uh, knowledge um, and hopefully also experience that they bring to the art from the outside. I think that's good. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, especially, yeah, in terms of comics, because like you got to, Come on, you want to be able to say something through yeah. the fucking art of the comic, you know? It's not yeah. just a thing that looks aesthetic and pretty. Um, totally cool. Well, uh, that's fucking rad. It's good to hear. Um, I think we should uh, do some plugs and get out of here because I got to go tell a new joke I wrote about uh, Zoomer veterans to a crowd that won't like it. Uh, <laughs> I got a new bit. I did it on 51st Jokes the other night about how we can't send these goddamn Zoomers to war because they're too weird. And I think it's doing pretty well. But the second part of it is that the veterans are going to be too weird. And it goes in a very anti-veteran direction. And that's, uh, that's what I'll be working on tonight in my craft, trying to figure out how to make that a little bit less offensive but still mean <laughs> enough to be funny. <laughs> um... So, yeah. Oh, also, if you want to see me do stand-up, and you live in Columbus, Ohio, or any of the surrounding areas, uh, I'm doing a set with Street Fight, our homies, the uh, podcast of legend. Uh, we're doing like a, a live, or they're doing a live variety show that I'm just going to be on, on the 24th of this month, and um, the 14th, next week, we will be doing a live Pod Damn America debate roast again at the uh, Secret Loft in Manhattan. Um, I hate these shows, but you know what? We got to keep doing them because they won't stop doing these debates. Um, I'm just kidding. They're fun, but they're so fucking long. Um, I think that's it for me. I'll sign up for our Patreon, etc. You know, support the show. Um, yeah. Andrews, got anything to plug? At Anders Lee here on Twitter. And if you are in Vermont, uh, our, our beautiful boys, hometown of Burlington, I will be coming there February 29th. So you have a lot of time to get tickets. Uh, at 8 p.m. at the Revelry Theater, I'm going to be doing Dummy, which is my show about the history of the autistic spectrum, uh, as well as you know what it means to be, what it actually means, which is a very uh, nebulous thing. But it's it's a fascinating history. I talk about the history of the eugenics movement and has, how that has to do with the the autism diagnosis. But it's a comedy show. It's a lot of fun. So come on out, Feb 29, Burlington, Vermont, at the Revelry Theater. All right. Uh- 
Ellie, you got anything uh, you'd like our listeners to know about? Uh, Patreon, Ellie Valley. That's pretty much all right. I mean, yeah, sound good? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay. My book, Diaspora Boy, came out a couple years That's ago. That's what I was trying to remember, Diaspora Boy. Uh, check that out. And check out the illustrations in the Chapo book, of course. Yeah, yeah, and the Chapo book and Instagram and Twitter, my name. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Cool.